Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which talks to Christian leaders about the topics that really matter. I'm Andy Peck. What do you do when your church is small, has an elderly age profile and hasn't grown in a while? Such a scenario is a nightmare for a church leader who is praying that God would build the church but is wondering how things are going to turn around. Well, I'm joined this week by Steve Bell. He's the pastor of Grace Church at Seaview on the Isle of Wight. And this church was facing just this kind of situation. So, Steve, welcome to the Leadership File. Great. Thank you very much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Splendid stuff. Well, thank you um, for, for sparing the time. I, I understand you grew up in Surrey. Uh, yeah. So what was your journey into Christian leadership, Steve? Uh, yes, I, I was uh, uh, brought up in Surrey. Very privileged, really, to be uh, brought up in a Christian home uh, with godly parents um, and, and, and I guess parents that not only taught me the gospel and, and, and modelled sort of gospel shaped living to me but modelled the importance of the local church as well um, so uh, I think showed me that the, you know, the gospel calls us into a family, into his church, uh, gives his church a mission to, to, to go and make disciples um, so I guess that from my earliest days as a Christian, and I, I probably trace my conversion to being around about the age of 10, um, I, I had modelled to me that the church is, is God's, God's agent of mission in the world. Um, uh, as as uh, one author I was reading the other day put it very well, it's, it's through the church that the gospel is made visible to the world. Um, so uh, as I grew up as, as a young Christian, it was through the local church that I, I sought to serve. And, and um, as I did that, um, uh, alongside regular work in those days, um, I, I, I developed a love for teaching the Bible. Um, and, and other people um, within the church seemed to confirm that uh, uh, the Lord had given me a bit of gifting in that area. So uh, I started to have a go at some some small group Bible study, you know, leading uh, youth groups and home groups and uh, and that kind of thing. Um, and, and then I, I guess it was in my mid twenties that I I got involved as an elder in a church plant, and and someone suggested I have a crack at preaching, uh, which I did. Um, and and, uh, and the congregation let me go at the end of it. They didn't lynch me. Um, so it was suggested that I might try that again. Um, and, and so uh, over the next few years, I, I guess they were years of recognizing that this was something that um, God seemed to be calling me to, um, a, a gifting uh, that I had or that he'd given me, um, and, and then getting myself um, equipped for that. Um, uh, these days, of course, I'm talking 20 years later, uh, I do that full time. But it wasn't always like that. Uh, for several years, I, I somehow managed to balance uh, Christian leadership with a with a day job uh, as well. Um, but but I guess the, the the journey into into Christian leadership and and specifically into a, a Bible teaching ministry has just been about recognizing, largely through the the counsel of others, how God has wired me and gifted me, um, and, and then submitting those gifts to be used to build His church. Um, and, and I think he's been extremely kind in, in allowing me to keep doing that. You know, uh, um, uh, a lot is said about the particular stresses and strains of, of pastoral ministry, and, and, it, and it does have those. But I, I'm often reminded of just what a privilege it is, uh, you know, to be set apart to do that. 
Oh, splendid. What was your, your day job, just for a man of interest? Uh, I, I was uh, involved in a, um, an airport's company, so it, it was kind of large infrastructure projects for um, uh, overseas governments, that kind of thing, uh, business development, sales and marketing, um, some project management, that, that kind of thing, which is a, mm. a long time ago now. <laughs> sure. Now, I mean, I, I, as I grew up on the Isle of Wight, uh, and remember your church as a, a, a small uh, well, at least the church that, that from which you came, uh, as a small and elderly fellowship that seemed to have little chance of growing, uh, humanly speaking. Yep. Uh, in those days, it was known as Beulah Evangelical Church. So what what happened? Yeah. Um, well, uh, a lot happened, I guess. Um, I, I, I think from, from my perspective, having grown up in, in a church that was like that, small and elderly and struggling, um, an independent evangelical church, um, a church that I guess in lots of ways limped along, um, for, for a number of years with a, you know, a small number of faithful people, but in desperate need of, of revitalizing or, or replanting. That, that's the kind of church I grew up in. And, uh, and so I've, I've really always had a heart to see churches like that, of, of which, sadly, there are many, not just limp along on a slow path to closure, but, but actually become the healthy and thriving local churches that, that many of them have been in the past. Um, and, and there seems to be a healthy emphasis these days on planting new churches. I'm, I'm really grateful for that. But, but I've always had a heart to see us uh, developing strategies for replanting and revitalizing declining churches uh, as well. And, and that was the kind of church that we were called to uh, back in 2006 now, um, Beulah Evangelical Church. Um, we, we were already on the Isle of Wight at that time, um, had a real heart for its people, uh, wanted to see more healthy gospel churches established there. Um, so when this opportunity came up, we, we were really keen to to pursue it. Um, that the church had dwindled, um, a previous pastor had gone, um, uh, retired. Uh, it had dwindled to just a handful of, of largely elderly people. It was very close to closure. Um, but actually, those, those faithful few were a really praying few, and, and they were praying that God would intervene. Um, and also significantly, I think they'd reached out for help. Um, so uh, they'd reached out to a local evangelical church in the, the neighbouring town in Ryde, uh, St. James Church. Um, they'd also reached out to a, a UK mission agency called Rural Ministries that they, they had connections with. Um, and so, uh, sort of long story short, uh, we started to talk um, with Rural Ministries and with St. James Church. Uh, I applied for the pastoral vacancy that was there um, and, and began there full-time in the summer of 2006. Um, we had a, uh, an informal partnership established between ourselves and um, St. James Church in the neighbouring town. Uh, with rural ministries acting as the, the kind of matchmaker, I guess, um, providing a bit of financial support and pastoral support for the first two, uh, few years until the church got established. Uh, and then we just began the slow work, really, of, of replanting the church there. Um, and, and, it, and it was pretty slow um, at, at first. We, we were starting from a very low base. Um, we, we didn't have a big team uh, we were in quite a small local community, as you probably know. Seaview is, is not a, a large place. Um, but our, our conviction um, ha, has always been that it's the Word of God that grows the Church of God. Um, 
in other words, it's the message of the, of the Bible itself, it's the gospel, that as it's proclaimed by the people of God, in the power of God's spirit, it, it will grow his church. Um, new people will come to faith through it, existing Christians will be built up to maturity through it. So really the strategy was just to teach the Bible, um, to, to teach it evangelistically to non-Christians, uh, to teach it to build up Christians to maturity, uh, to teach it in the pulpit on a Sunday and teach it in the home group midweek um, and then to equip each other to teach it to others, um, to, to, to share the gospel using the Bible in, in a whole variety of different contexts. Um, and so bit by bit, little by little, uh, in a very non-dramatic way really over the years, we, we've just found that the Word has been doing its work and, and Christ has been growing his church. Um, so, so that that's kind of how we how we kicked off. After about four years, um, we were starting to to outgrow the facilities in the the little chapel building that we have in Seaview, um, and we were growing not only with people from the <coughs> village of Seaview, but but also from the town of Ride next door as well. Um, and and so we we were starting to think and pray about how to accommodate that growth. Um, and, and as we were doing that, well, God presented us with another kind of replanting opportunity. Um, that The church this time was, was in the town of Ride, um, and, and again was very close to closure. Uh, like the church in Seaview, they, they, they had a little bit of money in the bank, uh, but they had virtually no people, just a, again a, a elderly folk largely, uh, but with a real desire to see the gospel grow there. Again, um, I'd been doing a bit of evening preaching there on occasions. I got to know them a bit. Um, and so again, uh, long story short, I, I floated the idea to them that, that we effectively merge the two churches into one, uh, one church family, but that we keep both the buildings such that we can keep reaching out to both of the communities. Um, and they were very amenable to that. Uh, and so uh, a process started which... Um, ended in the forming of Grace Church as, as, a, as a new church family, so one membership, one leadership, one budget, uh, and so on, but using two buildings in two different locations as bases from which to reach out to two communities, the town of Ride and the village of Seaview. So um, so, so you're the church that you, you, you served was part of the FIC, Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches. Yeah. And, and this other church, was, it was Elmfield Congregational? Yes, that's right. So they were uh, part which, of the congregational network of churches. So there was sort it, of, it wasn't, actually. It um, wasn't. Uh, Elmfield Congregational, although, although it had that title, was also an FIEC church. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, so, uh, so it, it was, it in that an, sense, it was part of the same family. Yeah, mm. it was, mm. um, which was actually you know, very helpful in that point of view that we both had you know theologically that the same kind of uh, background mm, mm. Um, so it was it was really helpful to uh, to, to, to have them in the, in the same family of, of church and, and the church that were helping you st james's church obviously is a, uh, it was an independent anglican church so as i understand it so it's in, right. independent yes. of um in terms of parish um but, but obviously anglican in terms of ethos yes um uh, that's that's true um although uh, again as a uh, what we found with St James Church is is that, uh, that they've got you know they've got an Anglican ecclesiology, whereas uh, you know we have a, a free church ecclesiology. But but actually we're we're united in the gospel. We've got mm, the mm. same approach to doing ministry, the same philosophy of, of ministry, uh, the same theological base. And so actually those differences made you know very 
very little difference, actually. Yeah, that's terrific. Well, you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Steve Bell. He's the pastor of Grace Church at Seaview on the Isle of Wight. And we'll be back just after this. Welcome back to Leadership Follow Me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by uh, Steve Bale. Steve is the pastor of Grace Church at Seaview on the Isle of Wight. Uh, we were talking before the break of how uh, Steve uh, became part of the church, eventually became pastor. It was the church was very small, quite elderly, struggling, and how, uh, under God's grace, um, a, another church, a larger church, helped them, and the, the church itself eventually emerged with another church. And uh, so you had a number of, uh, of things going on, Steve, as we uh, were talking before the break. So um, there were a couple of scenarios here. There's the, there's the concept of a, a larger church helping a smaller church. And there's also the concept of of a church merging with another church. So yeah. maybe you could talk talk through some of the elements because... Uh, you know, this has been tried before and it hasn't always been successful. Um, so what what were the key factors for you in, in being helped, say, by St. James's initially? Um, and, and then secondly, maybe look at, uh, at the merger and some of the challenges that, that, that you face there. Sure. Um, I mean, the, 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 the elements in having a, you know, a larger church like St. James helping a smaller church, I, I guess initially the, the partnership that we had with St. James was... Uh, very much a kind of mother-daughter relationship. You know, there was a, a larger church giving assistance to a smaller church to help get it replanted. Um, and and they, they helped us in a variety of ways with this. Um, now, now, what they didn't do uh, was to give us, you know, a, a, a bucket load of money and 20 of their best people to get us started. You know, that they weren't in a position to, to do that. Um, but what they very generously did do... I, was to share the resources they had with us. So it, it was very much an informal partnership, um, but it was a partnership where, uh, for example, they encouraged uh, uh, their people to join us if they felt called to do so, which, which one or two uh, did. But, but they very kindly did things like, you know, they loaned us their musicians um, for, for, for different services. They provided preaching cover so that I could have a break now and again. Um, that they uh, allowed our young people to piggyback on their midweek youth work, which, which was really, really helpful. Um, and actually, maybe most significantly, the, the, the minister there, James Leggett, who's a, a great friend, um, provided pastoral support and friendship to me, which, um, which really uh, proved invaluable because the, the, the church, as, as we went into it, lacked any leadership at all when, when I arrived. Um, so I had no one initially to, to kick around strategy with, to, to bounce pastoral issues off uh, and so on. So, so James just made himself available as a, a great resource of, of uh, pastoral wisdom and support. Um, and, and that friendship with, with another church leader w- was really what kept us going in, mm. in the first few years, humanly speaking. No, it's ter- um, terrific to hear, yeah. Yeah, that, that was how. And actually, it was a friendship that extended beyond just the two of us, but but our families as well. So, our, you know, our wives are great friends. Our, our children grew up together and supported each other. And, and that has been a, a, a huge encouragement. We, we've met together uh, pretty much every week uh, over the last eight years, um, along with the assistant minister there. Uh, as well we we share together we eat together we pray together uh, for our lives and our ministries and and our churches and and that's just been a huge 
blessing. Um, and I guess I, I would encourage others, uh, if, if you're feeling isolated, um, which that, that is one of the, the biggest issues, I think, that church leaders mm, face is, mm. is isolation. Um, if you haven't taken care of that already, uh, find ways to develop close friendships of, of support and accountability, I, I, th- I think has been a huge blessing to us. Oh, it's, it's so so good to hear hear the way that that all unraveled uh, sorry not unraveled in a negative sense but you know how how it all worked out so so well Uh, and then then lovely to hear too of of churches merging you know churches struggling and and the way in which that that came together what what were the factors there that um yeah um, i mean the the as the church grew and and then merged uh, the nature of the partnership with st james changed so we're still very much in partnership now uh, but we're a self-sustaining church now. We've got leadership structures in place and so on. But but we're very much committed to working together, which we do in, in outreach and missions. And we have a joint men's breakfast program and, uh, and things like that. Um, and so the partnership very much continues. Uh, but in terms of the, the, the merger, um, I, I think what characterized the merger we were looking at was that it was a merge where a growing church... Uh, was seeking to merge with a declining church in order to establish a growing and a healthy gospel witness. So, so we, by that stage at, at Seaview, were a growing church um, and, and a thriving church, but running out of space, um, that the church at Elmfield was, was very much in decline and close to closure. Uh, and so I think maybe a, a key element in, in doing that kind of a merge would have to be willingness um, you know, there's, there's nothing like uh, merging churches to, to test whether mission is more important to you than your treasured traditions and, and oh, practices sure. and, yeah. and so on. When, when you merge churches, the, the old churches close with, with all the, uh, you know, this is how we used to do it before stuff, and, and one new church opens where, where all those things can be looked at afresh, well, um, yeah. w- which is really helpful when the church that you're merging with is in decline, because um, it, it helps to, to get rid of all that baggage. Mm, mm. Um, but it's also really challenging for those who are joining you from the old church. Mm. So I, I think it's important that everyone knows what to expect when a church is merged. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and for us, that, that meant setting out a clear vision for what the new church would look like um, so that people knew what to expect. Um, but but I think as well, and importantly, that the, the willingness needs to be on both sides, so that it's it's not only the declining church that needs to be willing to embrace some some cultural change, but but also the growing church needs to be willing to uh, consider a merge with a declining church as a as a really viable option. Mm. Um, and I think it seems to me that sometimes we're not. Um, often churches in decline um, are, are in decline because culturally they've become stuck in the past. Um, and sometimes they've been uh, you know, stuck in the past, frankly, because they want to stay there. You know, they'd, they'd rather keep their traditions than, than have to change them for the sake of the gospel. Um, and, and I guess that if a growing church offered to merge with a church like that, that they'd probably be turned down. Um, and, and that might well be for the best. But I think sometimes we assume that a declining church is like that without finding out first. And, and, and sometimes churches have become stuck in the past, not because they want to stay there, but because they're just not sure how to adapt to a changing culture 
whilst remaining faithful to the gospel. Yeah, um, sure. and, and so these are people who love the Lord Jesus. They're, they're people who long to see the gospel grow, but they're just not sure how to go about it mm. in, in a modern world. Yeah. Um, and, and it seems to me that churches shouldn't be left to die when they're in that position, but, but should be seen as, as potentially um, a, a very viable alternative to, to planting a new church. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, terrific. In terms of numbers, um, I didn't, I haven't asked you really what the size is of the church, what the size was when you started and how, what things are, are like now in terms of numbers. Yeah, uh, I guess when we started, well, when we started at Seaview back in 2006, I, I, I think that, you know, the numbers were half a dozen or so, mm. uh, maybe eight. Um, I, I think when we started again and merged at Ride, the existing congregation was, was maybe eight or ten or so, somewhere around there. Um, uh, on a Sunday morning now, we're still a small church. Uh, growth has been has been small um, and but I guess on a Sunday morning now we're around about the 70 mark. Um, so we've, we've been blessed with, with steady growth uh, over that period of time, um, and God has, God has really blessed it. That's wonderful, wonderful to hear. Uh, and, of course, you, you mentioned rural ministries, which is how I, as it happens, um, became aware of, of this, having interviewed the... Um, uh, one of the the, the leaders of, of rural ministries, myself, sure. um, and uh, they they had a, a kind of role of, of brokerage, as it were, between yourselves and St James's. Yep. And uh, 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 your your connection with them was 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 kind of how how did God bring you alongside them? Yeah, the the, the church at, at Seaview had a had a history with rural ministries going back a number of years. Um, Seaview is a village, so so although it's sort of tagged on one end of a town, a ride is about thirty thousand as a town. It's still got Seaview has still got quite a village feel, a village outlook to it in in many ways, um, and uh, and rural ministries approach to growing churches in in more rural areas or in in villages at the time was very much a model of partnership with churches in the larger communities. Um, and so that, that's actually a model that's worked very well for us. So initially, as a, as a small village church, uh, being supported by St. James as a larger town church uh, was, was a model uh, of partnership that worked very well uh, and continues to. And I guess these days, actually, with the, the merger, part of what the merger was about uh, and the forming of Grace Church was to enable the work at Seaview, which is still a very small work in a tiny community, to be sustained because it's become a satellite of something bigger. Um, and uh, personally, I, I think that's a model which is quite transferable. One of the issues in, in gospel work in small communities is their sustainability. Um, and, uh, and so if they can become a satellite um, of something that's, that's bigger, perhaps in a, in a neighboring town or, or so on, or, or by networking the, these smaller works together, then it enables them to, to do that really crucial work of, uh, of being able to keep a, a healthy, thriving, um, but often small work um, going out into rural communities. Well, Steve, sadly, time's defeated us, but it's it's terrific to to, to hear the story of, of what God has done. And also, uh, I really appreciate the way you've been able to analyse very, very succinctly the the kind of stages because this will be a, you know a learning for many listening some of whom are maybe part of bigger churches and they know struggling churches or they know struggling uh, fellowships or maybe they're, they're they're in churches themselves like yours and they're thinking crumbs you know we've only got six or eight we might as well 
close the doors and go home, you know. Sure. Um, and and it's great to hear that that actually, and in, in, in God's goodness, and with your, you know, your leadership and and the help of others and, and fellowship in the gospel, that things have, have revived so wonderfully. So thank you so much for all that you've shared. Oh, it's, a, it's a privilege to be with you. Thanks ever so much. Um, and just uh, in case people want to, to to find out more about the church, you you've got a website. Yeah, we've uh, we've certainly got a website. So if you uh, Google Grace Church Isle of Wight or or the um, uh, the URL for the uh, for the website is uh, gracechurch-iow.co.uk. Uh, you'll you'll find us, and you can email us and contact us through that as well uh, as a Facebook page, all that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, please get in contact if if uh, there's there's any way we could. Uh, we could help anymore. Splendid. Well, thank you so much. You've been listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I was joined this week by Steve Bell. Steve's the pastor uh, of Grace Church um, on the Isle of Wight and uh, excited to hear the good things that God's been doing. Uh, I trust you'll, uh, you'll join us again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.